Welcome to Worldview on WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. The World Cup got underway today with Russia versus Saudi Arabia. The Russia team scored that goal early and they went on to a 5-0 win against Saudi Arabia. We're going to indulge in a little World Cup fever today. We'll take phone calls. Do you have a special World Cup memory? Give us a call at 312-923-9239 and we'll be glad to hear who you're pulling for if you have a particular bent on this tournament. 312-923-9239. It was way back in 2006 when we had a write-in essay contest and we said we would draw our World Cup commentators from that essay contest. And we have stuck with them since 2006. They are, several of them are here now. Ewan Haig, he's chair of the DePaul's uh, Geography Department. Great to see you, Ewan. Thank you. Pavel Yusum is here, software engineer. Good to see you, Pavel. Uh, thank you. And Dan Shalin is a freelance sports writer, and it's great to see you again, Dan. Good to be back, Jerome. And someone who responded to our Facebook post to be a contributor is Shalila Lewis. She's a student from Northwestern, and she pulls for virtually everybody in the tournament. Thanks <laughs> for having all around, me. All around World Cup fan. Uh, well, I wanted to reflect first on the kind of composition of this year's World Cup because it's so, you know, the U.S. isn't in, Italy isn't in, Netherlands isn't in. I personally used to like to watch Ghana play. I thought they'd always put a spunky team on the field. Um, Chile uh, missing too. Chile. Oh. And Scotland, but that's uh, been a generation yeah. now. Ewan is wearing his Scotland jersey as he does every year uh, in, in memory in of more his team. In more than yeah. <laughs> but it's going it's to be kind of an odd tournament. There's room for other new teams to run. Uh, obviously, Iceland's really new, but uh, there's a lot of room for teams to go. Uh, what do you think, Dan? That's right. Uh, not only the, the teams missing, but but some of the individuals. We talked about Ibrahimovic, not with, with Sweden. Benzema, not with France. Uh, Leroy Sané from Manchester City didn't didn't make the German squad. So even within the tournament, there's there's some teams missing. I think it's going to be perhaps the the group stage. You have some weaker groups than in, than in years past. Sometimes they're competitive, but there's no like group of death like there has been in the past. I think the tournament will really pick up come the come the knockout stage. If if the big teams get through, then we'll see all those all those big matchups where we might miss some of the the early big match matchups with a few exceptions like uh Portugal Spain tomorrow. But otherwise, mm-hmm. you have a couple groups like the one uh today for example where uh you know with with the two lowest ranked teams in the tournament, Russia and then Saudi Arabia, where you have a little weaker groups than than in years past. But as we move on, I think uh we start to we'll start to pick up and, and see a tournament like we we've seen in the past. Shalila, uh, do you have some thoughts on the, uh, the composition? Who are you going to root for this time around? Ooh, I think always always rooting for some of the classics, hoping to see a nice big Brazil return this year. Um, I think definitely some predictable matches in the beginning, but I think in the Euro Cup we had some really fun you know, Viking claps from Iceland. Hopefully there'll be some exciting moments that aren't sporting related. They kind of caught the group of death there, didn't they? The Iceland is in with Argentina, Nigeria, and Croatia. That's not so great. I think the closest we have to a group of death. I wouldn't quite call it that, but uh, I think it's the most competitive group. Group of serious illness. (laughs) (laughs) And Jerome, you told everyone to score the first game. I mean, the rule is don't announce the score. People have been recording it. And the first thing you sang. But... uh, and it really will ruin it for people since no one thought Russia could even put put the put the ball in the net. Let's not rub it in. <laughs> Pavel, what were you thinking? 
Uh, well, I am a little surprised that the five nothing. Well, uh, never mind. That the <laughs> the cat's the, out of the bag. I think right. Now. The scoreline is surprising. Whatever it was, uh, <laughs> but um, I mean, um, I think Russians played pretty well. I mean, I think the Saudis are. Well, I, I thought of this game as kind of a sort of a qualification round. <laughs> it felt like it's kind of a promotion playoff of sorts, like the winner gets to actually play in the World Cup. That's what it felt like. <laughs> well, I, I guess we know who the winner is. I hope they uh, they do us proud. And, uh, you know, when they play against Uruguay, let's say, they sort of come through and show that they do belong here. Pavel, I know you're a longtime Netherlands fan, and they're not in the tournament this time. I mean, I want to say I'm glad that they're not in the tournament because that the team that they do have... Um, I think would probably embarrass themselves at the tournament. So I, I do miss them, but I, do, I don't miss them the way they are right now. I miss them the way they were. This is going to liberate all of us. We don't have to watch the U.S. games. We don't have, you don't have to watch the Netherlands game. We're, we're free to kind of roam now. Right. You can, pick, you can pick your favorite. I was thinking of maybe buying another shirt. And <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if I liked any of the designs. Um, I have a Mexico shirt. The Nigeria been... shirt Nigeria. looks awesome. <laughs> it's completely I freewheeling. Although I haven't seen like uh, you know a bunch of guys running around on television with it, I think it might hurt the television somehow. <laughs> no, good. And they sold three million the day it was released oh, by they? Nike. Three million. Oh, no yeah. kidding. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, we're talking about the World Cup. We're taking a few phone calls. The number is three one two nine two three nine two three nine. Uh, Rhett, you are in Waukegan. Nice to talk with you. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I want to share this, this story. I went from being completely ignorant of the World Cup to being a diehard fan. In 1998, my folks took my sister and I to Europe, and that happened to be uh, when France was hosting uh, the World Cup. So for two weeks, we traveled around, and it was on everywhere, and I got absolutely into it and have been ever since. And a uh, little, little cherry on top, we happened to be in France when France won. And watching that celebration was insane. It was it was so cool to be a part of, and I've, I've caught every single game I could uh, ever since then. Did this make you a France person forever? Uh, no, actually, uh, I I live in the Netherlands, so uh, so like one of your guests, I'm a, I'm a fan as long as they're not playing the U.S. Uh, so, so yeah, a lot of my teams are out this year, but uh, but but like you were just talking about, it's going to be great to to run around and see some of the other teams. That that guy, uh, Mohamed Salah who's playing for Egypt, is a super exciting player to watch. I can't wait to see him. Yes, yeah. yeah, Salah had an amazing season at Liverpool in England, and I think uh, a lot of uh, Egypt's hopes rest, I'm going I'm to do shoulder. this, guys, on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the, um, he was injured in the Champions League final, uh, probably with a dislocated shoulder, and uh, there's a lot of talk about whether he's going to be fully ready to play. And there was that weird spectacle a couple of days ago that got a lot of coverage when he was woken up out of his hotel room and taken for a parade around Grozny by the Chech by the Chechen leader. Really? Uh, yeah, it was yeah. Very, very strange. Yeah, quite, quite a PR victory for yeah. the Chechen leader. Yeah, and um, quite unnerving in, in, in some ways. I was also uh, going to say, Rhett, you must also, as someone who got caught up in the party in France, you must be thinking of 2026 if we want to jump forwards and Chicago not hosting a, a, any of the games. It must be disappointing. That's qu- it's quite disappointing, actually. I'm I'm really surprised because we've got the infrastructure and we've got a, a what I would think would be a really strong um, football, well, football soccer um, culture here. Yeah, well, uh, you can really drive to Chattanooga or something like that. I think Nashville. Nashville. And- <laughs> <laughs> That's the closest time. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, and, and- to be fair, I think that's eight years from now. Things could change. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, 
Yeah. I think we could all be riding to O'Hare and Elon not be close. Musk, yeah. uh, underground tunnel by then in 20 seconds. Or maybe but even we'll all the way to national. <laughs> we'll still be here talking about the World Cup. We'll take the show on the road. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks a lot, Thanks, Brett, Brett, for joining Thanks, us. Brett. And you can call Thank us you. and share your World Cup memories and World Cup enthusiasm at 312-923-9239. And we'll squeeze another phone call in. Ted, you're on WBEZ. Hi, how's it going? Good, how's it going with you? It's going great. Um, I actually had a a question for you guys. Uh, I'm not a big international soccer fan, but I was curious to see or hear from you guys what you thought the the biggest story was going to be for this year's World Cup. Well, that's certainly a great question. I think there's going to be a lot to see in terms of who's going to be the front runner, um, hopefully some drama to watch out for. We have we have the big story of Spain, typically one of the leaders, one of the teams to keep an eye out for, who recently, in fact, yesterday, sacked their coach and has a new coach, which is certainly a talking point. Um, you can expect that to be a big, a big something to come up. Um, and of course, looking at teams that might make the headlines for really performing well, there's certain certain teams like we've got, we've got Brazil, Germany, certain teams definitely to watch out for and keep an eye out for some, you know, for, for like Uruguay and other teams that may surprise us. Croatia. 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 Big one. And I think obviously, I mean, they, they often take the headlines. Ronaldo and Messi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big Getting a little older. This it might be the last chance for them to, to win Brazil's the big Brazil's Neymar coming back after after that injury, not played for three or four months, and now is can he lead his team to redemption? Oh, the after big stars take over. The big stars take over. Yeah, we'll take some more. We're going to take some more phone calls after the break. The number is three one two nine two three nine two three nine. We're talking World Cup soccer. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jerome McDonald. You're listening to Worldview on WVEZ. This is Worldview on WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. We're talking about the World Cup today on Worldview. Fan zones in World Cup's host cities have become a staple of soccer culture. For everybody who can't fit into the stadium, these fan zones are officially sanctioned street festivals where people can eat and drink and watch the games on live big screen TVs. But the people near these fan zones don't particularly like the constant party they bring with them. Reporter Sonia Grossman has more on the people inconvenienced in Moscow. Students at Moscow State University are unhappy about a fan zone next to their campus. Over 6,000 students live and study immediately next to the fan zone. Students have protested and circulated petitions against the soccer festival. The students worry that parties by 25,000 celebrating fans will destroy one of Moscow's few green spaces. It's final exam time. Some worry the stress of avoiding hooligans will hurt their grades. As of this morning, some classes were forced out of buildings altogether. A loudspeaker ordered the students to leave during one exam. They finished their test on the sidewalk. But protests and petitions to President Putin did not help. 
So far, the fan zone is here to stay. FanFest uh, located near the university is generally a bad idea and we tried to convince everyone that is so. And it will cause multiple problems for students and it will interfere with academic activities. We try to oppose the way authorities treat university because they doesn't seem to have any respect for university's community and for students and for their opinion and interests. And this uh, protest against FanFest was at the same time a protest against this general attitude. Igor Weiman is a fourth-year physics student. He is a member of the initiative group at Moscow State University. During the campaign, we have faced some serious pressure from our administration uh, that apparently tried to silence this protest. What do you hope to achieve? Our general demand was to find another uh, more appropriate location for FanFest. So during all the campaign, we tried to deliver this opinion to all kinds of officials, to M- Moscow State University administration, to city officials and to organizing committee. Russian police and special services have pressured the activists. Two students from the language department were detained during one exam. They were accused of vandalizing a tournament bulletin board. A third student, 18-year-old Dmitry Petelin, was even prosecuted for writing on the bulletin board no to the fan zone. I was told that I had to be expelled from the university and was even sent to prison. It seems that these severe actions were caused by the proximity of our campus to the World Cup. No damage was even done to the bulletin board. It was cleared the next day. I think I was eventually released because of the publicity. It was clear to everyone that this case was absurd and there was no crime. Students have been protesting against the fan zone for a really long time, and nobody ever seemed to hear them, or at least want to hear them. If somebody wants to have fun, others shouldn't have to suffer for it. For Worldview on WBEZ, I'm Sonia Grossman. And Sonia Grossman is with WBEZ from Moscow for two weeks through a program with the International Center for Journalists. We're talking about the World Cup here today on Worldview. With me, Jerome McDonald, our Ewan Haig from DePaul, Pavel Yusum, uh, software engineer, Dan Shalin, freelance sports writer, and Shalila Lewis, a Northwestern student. We're taking a few phone calls at 312-923-9239. And, you know, I think fan zones don't seem like a good idea to me. There are, uh, I, I would not like to be in the city where there is a 25,000 uh, people party on the lawn somewhere. I, that, that seems like a bad idea. Does anybody have any... It sounds like Grand Park in the right. summer. It sounds Lollapalooza, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, it does sound if like If I went, I don't think I would be going to the fan zone. But then I feel like from the point of view of the organizers, especially in a country like Russia, which is maybe still a little behind in infrastructure, it might not be such a bad thing not to have thousands and thousands of fans roaming around Moscow trying to figure out signage and things like that. So it kind of has, has them nicely corralled. I mean, probably not so good for the neighbors, but uh, probably good for the organizers, good for FIFA. 
damned if you do, damned if you don't, I guess. Is yeah, the, a little yeah, bit of that. Yeah. that. Um, we're going to sneak in a few more phone calls. 312-923-9239 is the number to call. Nick, you're on WBEZ. Hi, Jerome. How's everyone doing? Good. How are you? Are you looking forward to the cup? Oh, absolutely. I'm really glad that you guys are doing this. I listen to, to Worldview almost every day, and it's really nice to... I'm a huge soccer fan, and I'm, it's really nice to having um, an episode dedicated to the World Cup, so this is pretty cool. Um, I just have a, um, a couple things that I wanted to talk about. One is um, the two countries that I think that have a lot of stories to tell is one is Panama, and the other one is England. Um, now, for the England one, um, it's really interesting because... Um, there's a saying in England where um, the shirt, so the jersey, the English jersey, is really heavy. It's got a lot of pressure when you're playing for England because you have the vicious English tabloids just constantly pounding people. Um, for an example, there's this player from Manchester City in the Premier League named Raheem Sterling, Jamaican-born, and one of the very few black players on the team. He recently got a tattoo of a gun on his leg, and the conservative... Murdoch press uh, tabloid own um, tabloids just attacked him for it and everything like that and just anytime they can so there's a lot of pressure going on Rocking Sterling uh, for that and that's really interesting and, and was wondering if you guys could talk about that another country is Panama um, like the U.S. it's a major baseball country and it's really cool seeing them in the World Cup um, I'm a big major league soccer fan I'm a big Chicago Fire fan so there's a lot of MLS players that are on Panama and it's just amazing what they're doing from being a baseball country and, you know, having being their first time into, into a World Cup. That's definitely a team that um, I'm definitely going to be watching. So um, I'm a Mexico fan. I'm also a U.S. fan. So um, I'll be rooting for Mexico this year. All right. So, uh, Dan, do you have some thoughts about that? Well, we mentioned the Raheem Sterling situation. I, I guess that was interesting when they found out the uh, gun that he had tattooed on his leg. His father had actually been shot uh back in Jamaica when he was a child, when, when Sterling was a child. And this, he said, was a, uh, was a tattoo that was the beginning of a, of a larger tattoo sort of uh, honoring his father. So that, uh, you know, that's where that uh, controversy went. And he, he, in England play Panama on Sunday the 24th. They're in the same uh, group. in the same group. Panama's first World Cup. I actually saw, I dropped my kids off at school this morning. I saw a, a young classmate of theirs proudly wearing his Panama jersey. And nice. so... Um, Panama won these teams that have got nothing to lose. Um, we've seen them here in Chicago a number of times in Copa America and uh, in the CONCACAF Gold Cup. And they've always seemed to be a very robust team. There are a lot of uh, players who are quite physical. And I think the game against England will be quite interesting. Although one would assume with England's star players, you know, people like Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, Delhi Ali, and, and so forth, they, they will have enough to... To, to, to defeat Panama. And they're, they're in the same group with Belgium, who is yeah, your Belgium, big favorite Belgium, in, in Tunisia. Tunisia. The, the one thing I was going to say about Panama, I mean, they came close four years ago. <clears throat> they have a real strong generation, but but they're getting a bit long in the tooth right. now. You know, Blas Perez has been a forward for them for, for a long time. I think he's in his, his late 30s. I think their window has kind of closed, even though they're there now. They're, they're not really in their prime. We're going to be back with more talk about this year's World Cup. The number to call is 312-923-9239, 312-923-9239 to talk about the World Cup. I'm Jerome McDonald. You're listening to Worldview on WBEZ. In the streets, our heads are lifting as we lose our inhibition.
This is Worldview on WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. We're talking about the World Cup. It got underway today with Russia thumping Saudi Arabia 5-0. And we're going to think about what is up in this tournament and who the big teams are and who it's really going to come down to now in this segment. With me is uh, Shalila Lewis. She's a student at Northwestern. Dan Shalin, freelance sports writer. Pavel Yusum, software engineer. Ewan Haig from DePaul. Um, Pavel, who, is your, who, who are your favorites coming down the pike here? Well, I think one angle that I'm considering here is that I think this is France's or Germany's World Cup to lose. I think they can play in the final. Uh-huh. Um, and to me, one of the big questions is, well, if they don't – if they play as well as they really should, are they going to be felled by like a big personality team like Neymar's Brazil? They don't, they don't have a single big personality. Neither of the, those teams does. Actually, Germany never does. And uh, well – can Neymar's Brazil, like, kill him off? Or can it be Messi's Argentina? So that, that's kind of the, uh, the intrigue for me. I wonder if it's going to play out like that. But what, what I'm really, really rooting for is like a 3-2 game in the semifinal. Right. <clears throat> yeah. well, or two. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's, that's really maybe, – maybe a final that's over 90 minutes. That's, that's the kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Shalila, uh, what do you think? Definitely rooting for an exciting final as well. I think I'm very excited to see whether Messi's Argentina or Ronaldo's Portugal can take it this time. I think it definitely looks like their very last shot. Um, Argentina coming in still really on the shoulders of Messi. I think a little bit of a LeBron Cavs situation going in there. Um, But uh, we got got (laughs) Dybala backing him up. I think hopefully that'll be exciting. Hopeful as a Messi fan, but also really hoping that... Brazil with Neymar. Hopefully, Coutinho can kind of strengthen that end as well. Yeah, Firmino. Does anybody else think Brazil can pull it together here? I mean, I think I think this World Cup could be a redemption story for Brazil. Obviously, the the humiliation losing seven to one in the semifinals last time against Germany. And if both Brazil and Germany win their groups, they can't meet until the final. And so, I, I think uh, I'm I, I think Brazil are a better team than they were four years ago. And so, I, I'm thinking they're probably going to. I'm I don't often back Brazil, but I think they will. A friend of mine asked, asked to give a shout out to Australia, but I'm afraid mm-hmm. I can't see them. Uh, <laughs> can't see them getting out of that well, group with France, same, Peru, uh, and Denmark. They have the same coach that took uh, Holland to the final um, That's true. eight years ago. So if he's the magician that he seemed to be then, Dan, I you know mentioned you're... Brazil and, and, and redemption. I think they do a, a redemption story well. Remember '98, they lose in the final to France. Ronaldo, the old Ronaldo has some kind of a uh, panic attack before the uh, before the game, comes back four years later in Japan, and they win. So I have them, you mentioned up front, Coutinho, uh, Gabriel Jesus, a, a great attacking And, and Dan front. has his uh, stuff here on, like, uh, regular old grade school, <laughs> old school paper. Old school. <laughs> He's got That's his right. bracket. He That's made right. his bracket on his, his grade school paper here. And, and it's and got I have, Belgium going along. Well, I have, them, I have them beating Belgium in the final, which means Belgium will finish second to England in their group. <laughs> but if you look at – we were talking about this before the show. I mean, you look at Belgium. They have in the back three of the best defenders in the Premier League in company, Vertonghen and Alderweireld. And up front, three of the best attackers in the Premier, English Premier League, Hazard, De Bruyne, and Lukaku. So, I mean, both ends of the field. Belgium, man for man, may be one of the most talented teams in the tournament. Pavel? I think 
Belgium, like I think it's a really interesting thing with Belgium. I think what they're missing is like a like a Busquets or a Mastrano or like a Mark Van Bommel or Andreas Breme, if you're old enough to know who that is. <laughs> if they only had, and if if you know somehow by some miracle they get a guy like that during the World Cup, I, I don't think that's allowed. Yeah. Then then you definitely have yourself a contender. Like the way I see, without that, I see them crashing out. And the, the one question is Vincent Company, often yeah. injury prone, Injured got already. hurt again before this tournament, and it's kind of touch and go whether he'll he'll be on the field when the tournament begins. Uh, d- Shalila, and I think can't can't leave without a mention of Germany's undeniable strength they might just even if we don't really talk about them they might just pull all the way through right. to the final that might be our final matchup isn't that how, to, how it is always oh, yeah. we talk about yeah. them and then it's like oh, oh. What's that famous they are. Their brand yeah was yeah. it football's a game with 22 players and then Germans win I mean this famous <laughs> right. quote by English striker Gary Lineker right. there's some, some some breakout teams I think the Balkan teams Serbia and Croatia we could see some uh, some breakouts from, from, from they both got very strong midfields um, a lot of experience in Europe's top leagues uh, in terms of the African teams, uh, Senegal, I think, look best place to go out of their group, although Egypt, we already mentioned, with Mosala, probably definitely African Player of the Year. Arguably, if you could carry Egypt into the into the round of 16 if, or the if, quarterfinals. If can, yeah. I mean, he's, he's yeah. an offensive player. Like yeah. the, if he you know, maybe could track back a little bit more, I think maybe that would work <laughs> better. But uh. I think Morocco might be a, a bit of a sleeper, although the, they're in the group with Portugal and Spain, so it might be hard to get out of that. But we, we, we talked about that. A lot of players... Born in in France or or Holland, uh, Ziyech, the, the the midfielder from from Ajax, uh, Harit from from Schalke, got a lot of good young players. Belhanda, a player who's who's been around for a long time. Morocco, I I think Morocco will give Spain and Portugal they, they uh, have a, a shot. A game. Yeah. They have an inter- interesting thing with the team's locker room language, because the locker room language is French. But right, there's all right. these guys who grew up in Holland. <laughs> And they don't speak French. They speak Dutch and they speak English. So, I, <laughs> so the team is – I think it somehow supposedly doesn't hurt team unity. I don't see how it possibly wouldn't hurt team unity, but supposedly it doesn't. We've not talked much about Mexico. I mean I think Mexico, they're in the group with Germany, Sweden, and South Korea. They've got uh, – Irving Lozano has uh, set the Dutch league on fire this year. He's been excellent. Obviously, someone like Javier Hernandez is uh, very experienced. Uh, they have a lot of experienced players. So maybe – this is a time that Mexico can make a run. Famously, they've never been past the quarterfinals. Maybe we should show some North American solidarity and all root for Mexico right. for crying sure, out sure. loud. I mean, well, we're going to be hosting with I, I have a shirt, as I mentioned, I, and I will wear it as much as I can. I've got to go for Panama. They're playing against England, and someone's got to beat England, right? So uh, I'll go with Panama. <laughs> but I think you, you mentioned Mexico, that uh, a lot of the same cast of characters from, from the last World Cup – Except for Lozano, Chucky Lozano, and uh, Carlos Vela, who's playing in Major League Soccer now, was in a dispute with the Federation four years ago. So if, if they can get those two guys really and, firing, and that, I think was, that was a good team, a right? Four years ago, that was a good team. I mean, the Dutch were really happy to kind of survive that, yeah. And kind of the interesting personality in Mexico, Rafa Marquez, about to play in his, in his fifth World Cup. I think he's been responsible for. Mexico going out of two or three of those World Cups with some <laughs> boneheaded plays he made, including the tackle on Robin, on Robin late in right. that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, he might be 39 years old, and uh, we could see him for a, for a fifth kicking. World Cup. Still gone. Yeah, I wouldn't forget about uh, South Korea either, um, or even Sweden, how they perform without Ibrahimovic, you know. I think that's – as much as he wanted to be there, maybe they'll, they'll go far without him. Iceland, the darling of the <laughs> tournament that got in uh, miraculously. They're in a division with Croatia, Nigeria, and Argentina. Yep. How do they win? 
I don't think they go through this time. It's a bit of a fairy tale story. One assumes that these teams have watched. I mean, Iceland's big weapon was throw-ins. They had this one guy who could hurl the ball into the penalty spot, and um, that really seemed to confuse England. But hopefully, I think Argentina, Croatia, and Nigeria are maybe a little more savvy. But, you know, they could spring a surprise. They've got a lot of experienced players. They've got people who are playing regularly at a decent level mm-hmm. uh, in Italy and uh, in, in England. And um, they could. It's the smallest nation ever to qualify for the World Cup. And coached by a, a dentist, a still-practicing <laughs> dentist. <laughs> well, that might come in handy. You never know. Uh, all <laughs> right. You, Luis Suarez, this is our well, last second. You, you are expecting who to win this tournament, you Dan. You promised. Brazil. Uh, Brazil over Belgium in the final. Pavel? Uh, France-Germany final. Chalila? Brazil. Always holding out for Brazil. Yay. Glory days. <laughs> Dan, you were all over. Are, are, Pavel, are you and you were all over Brazil. Today. Yeah, I, 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 I see Brazil. I don't. Everyone said Brazil, so I've got to go with someone different. Why don't we say uh, uh, Messi drags Argentina to the championship? <laughs> oh, that was very generous of you. Very romantic. <laughs> uh, Ewan Haig is the, with the Paul's geography department. Pavel Yusum is a software engineer. Dan Shalin is a freelance sports writer. Shalila Lewis is a Northwestern student. Thanks for joining us and talking about the World Cup. Enjoy waking up early for the games, and uh, it's going to be a fantastic time. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, what a feeling. Look what we've overcome. Oh, I'm gonna wave away my flag. And count all the reasons. We are the champions. Now ain't no turning, turning back. Saying, oh, can't you taste the feeling? Feeling. That's Jason Derulo, one of the official World Cup songs. It's on the album of the World Cup. And I hope you enjoy the World Cup. Tomorrow on Worldview, we're going to hear a preview of a series on representation in comic books that we're doing next week. We're doing an interview every day next week. And tomorrow you can hear one with the writer Matt Johnson. He's an interesting cat. Hope you can join us tomorrow for Worldview. Worldview is produced by Steve Bynum and Julian Haida. Thanks to Galilee Abdullah and Anna Waters for production assistance. And thanks to Mike Gilmore for engineering. I'm Jerome McDonald. You've been listening to Worldview on WBEZ. 